Yes, people, it's episode 215 of Griff's Brain Dump, and it's me, Griff, obviously. How you doing? It is Saturday, the 13th of March. Uh, sorry, I was about to... had a bit of... Uh, had a bit of uh, trapped wind there. Didn't want to burp into the microphone. That'd be disgusting. Uh, how you all doing, though? How you all doing? It's, it's been a crazy week. It's been one of those social media watershed weeks, hasn't it? It's, um, yeah, it's got the Megan and Harry stuff. You got the, the Clapham Copper. You've got all this stuff going on. Um, I don't know where to start, but let's, oh, let's start with me. Let's start with me first. How's my, how's my week been? Um, it's been all right. It's been all right. It's actually really just been revolved around all, all the stuff that's, that's happened on TV. Um, so it's happening on our screens. I mean, I guess we'll start the Meghan and Harry thing. Um, saw the interview with Oprah on Monday, which was interesting. I mean, that was fun. That was that was uh, that was that was insightful. I mean, the chats around it have been fun, been interesting, eye-opening. Um, I mean, I just remember on Monday morning I posted something on Facebook to say, "How is there so much conversation about?" a program that hasn't actually been on TV in the UK. And most people understood the point I was making. I thought it was quite straightforward. Other people try to come with the slickness, the smart mouth. Hey, I know you, you know who you are. <laughs> Telling me about there's a thing called the internet. There's a thing called VPN. People stayed up. People who actually cared would stay up and watch it. And I was like... Don't give me people who actually cared would stay up till 1am. Right? People have jobs and lives. It's, it's a weekday. But also, my point was, yes, you watch it on a VPN, but it's illegal to watch it on a VPN to na- to uh, negate uh, geolocation restrictions. For example, if something's only allowed to be showed in the U- US and you switch on your VPN, locate yourself in the US, and then watch it. That's illegal. And it was funny to see on my post that a few people revealed that they didn't actually know that was illegal, what they were doing. Um, So, my point remains that if you're going to be showing a show illegally in a country at 9pm, to discuss it at 7am before the general public have seen it, uh, before you've had any legitimate access to seeing it, to be discussing its content, it's kind of prejudicial. And I know this isn't a court of law, so you don't need to have to, you know, you don't have to be under such stringent guidelines such as that, but it's still prejudicial in the sense of you're now swaying the public and framing what they're about to see. Piers Morgan, you know, just... Just they're tearing into Megan, and they're just going back and forth about what's the content of the thing. Trish on there, that Dr. Scholler on there, that just wheeling out the people. And um, hi man, I just found it odd. I just found it odd, and just even talking about the conversations around um, the topic. So I guess we talk about Piers Morgan as well, but talking about the conversations um, around. Uh, the documentary and stuff I just found interesting I mean 
one conversation that was completely left field I thought was a good point was was the fact of you know how black people are seen on TV in the sense of we are only rolled out to discuss race and uh, and people like Piers just there just to kind of dismiss it now I've been going back and forth with people this week about whether Piers Morgan himself whether his behaviour towards Meghan has been racially motivated now all I've said on this is I'm not sure if his behaviour is evidence of it being racially motivated right now a lot of people hear that but what are you talking about how he's a racist and I'm not saying he's not I'm not saying that there's that there's no chance that he is a racist I don't know if he is I'm saying his pursuit of Megan this kind of internal warfare he's got with Megan is all for me is more misogynistic it's more driven by ego he's he's, uh, he's annoyed that he got ghosted and lost potentially his contacts to the royal family so now he can't write all of his little stories about them I feel that's where that's come from mainly and then because the discussions about racism on Good Morning Britain are always centred around Meghan, they just end up becoming casualties in his mental warfare with her. You see what I mean? So say if those same topics were brought up about someone else, I'm not saying you necessarily agree. Uh, I'm not even saying you necessarily even see the merit in the argument, but he may not be so, I need to blow this argument out of the water. Um, someone made a point to me that when it came to, for example, the monkey picture when Archie was born, you know, it's something that uh, even Megan's worst enemy has to go, uh, all right, that's that's not the best one, Daddy Baker. Apparently, Piers was just silent on it because it's like, well, he knows it's wrong, but he can't give his enemy, in speech marks, any leverage. So he has to kind of just ignore it. We've all done that, haven't we? In the Facebook chat, you see someone who says stuff stupid and you just, you hammer them, hammer them, hammer them. They say something you agree with and rather than agree, you just ignore it. People do it all the time. Um, but I see how, what I was saying, I'm not sure if it was racially motivated, his, his anger towards Megan. I think it's more misogynistic. But someone pointed out to me that his misogyny may be uh, sparked by racism in the sense of he feels like a sense of entitlement to someone like Megan because of what race she is. Now, I don't know. I don't know, but it was a good point. It was a good point that I had to kind of consider and take away and I'm thinking about it. I still don't know if that's my conclusion, but it's definitely food for thought, right? But anyway, so the, the documentary comes out. We all watch it. We all react. Everyone who is anti-Megan or pro-royal were like she's a liar <laughs> they're liars I can't believe they're doing this the prince, prince the Duke of Edinburgh is in hospital the Queen the Queen the Queen oh if you want to attack my Queen you're attacking me you want to attack my Queen you're attacking my country you attack my country you're attacking me you attack the royal family you're attacking me and it's so funny that was people's reactions to that when um Let's, let's break them all down. You're attacking the royal family, so you're attacking me. Well, sorry to break it to you, but both Meghan and Harry are members of the royal family, so it's kind of nothing to do with you in that sense. You know what I mean? So if your mum and dad have an argument, you can't accuse one of them of attacking your family. 
Uh, they're both in your family. It's just an internal family issue. <laughs> All right, so that's that one. Um, you're attacking the queen. You're attacking me. They literally... It felt like they were really going out of their way to make the point that the queen hasn't done shit. Uh, that the queen's actually good with them. They're good with the queen. You even saw him talk on his James Corden interview that him and the queen still talk. They're all good. They want to talk about his dad or his brother. No one gives a fuck about them. And that's a fact. I didn't see any, anyone crying from that side of the argument going, oh, what he said about Charles is bag out of order. It's like, like you know what I mean? No one, no one had anything to say about it, or will either. No one really had anything to say about that. It's like, the Queen, the Queen, leave the Queen. It's like, he's not attacking the Queen. Not once. Mega will fuck off attacking the Queen. No, doesn't attack the Queen. Let's attack the Queen. Then, um, you obviously... But there's lots of things that come out of it as well. Like, the, I say you've got those people on that side. So I should go back to the other side. You've got people who are pro-Megan or anti-royal. They're like, bun the monarchy, to tear it down, get rid of them. And it's just like, well, all right. I mean, if you do not want the monarchy, you're going to use any excuse to to add to your argument, right? But there's a lot of interesting conversations sparked out of it. So, obviously, the big one is the the skin complexion. Query the concern about that. Was I shocked? No. <laughs> it's like... And that's all the people were asking about the shock and about the expectations of getting into the royal family. Should she have known? Like, I don't know if she should have known exactly. Like, she is foreign. Yeah, let's, let's, let's be real here. She's not from this country. Um, and she's not from a country that has a royal family either. The nearest thing they have to royalty there are, uh, you guess, your, your, your presidents and their family. Um, or your celebrity families. That's that's the nearest you're going to get to royalty in that sense in their mind. Um, I think anyone who's black or anyone who's from, who's from an ethnic background, boom, in the UK... If someone told you that, you know, you could marry into the royal family, there'll be a lot of questions running through your head. A lot of questions running through your head that don't want to be involved in, with this family. Because you don't marry individuals. A lot of people try and go, you fall in love and and you marry that person. You don't know what their family's going to be like. Then I don't know why you got married. Because you don't marry individuals. You marry families. And you've got to be assessing families. I've always find it funny when people, you know, they're going to meet a partner's mum or dad mum and dad or family and stuff everyone goes into that going oh I really want to impress their dad I really want to impress their mum you know what I mean they go into it with that attitude and I've always gotten into an attitude of I need to see what your family's about yeah I'm looking forward to meeting your mum yeah I'm looking forward to meeting your, your grandma I'm looking for, you know what I mean I'm looking forward to meeting your auntie and uncle I want to meet these people because I need to know what kind of madness I'm going to become related to. Because once we're married, I can't be like, don't really like that guy. He's like, who? My brother. <laughs> you know what I mean? Who's going to have kids the same time as you, so now they're cousins. Like, you got to do your due diligence. You can't just marry into a family. And that's what I'm saying. Like, if you, it's an equivalent to me. And I'll get the royal family and it's like, you've got, the difference in the actual family and the family business, the firm. If you, and Harry has said himself, if you watch The Crown, it's a very 
it's actually quite a good depiction of what the pressure is like inside that institution. But regards to family and knowing who you're marrying, like she said, she didn't Google him and stuff. I hear that. Cool. But if you don't Google him, then you've got to do your research. Like from the moment I'm meeting your grandma and you're telling me I need to curtsy, don't have to curtsy, I'm like, ah, this is all going to be different in my head. Um, and please tell me, like, if you married, even if you married, like, say for me now, if I married the nicest, calmest, sweetest woman ever, right? She, you know what I mean? Not one ounce of criminality at all. I guess I could use my wife as an example. <laughs> well, let's just say her. But now imagine her family now are full-time drug dealing, sex trafficking criminals. I'm not saying that's what the royal family are. This, But I'm trying to make this point. Yeah? Let's say they're that. Even if she's completely separate from all of that, there's going to come a Christmas time where we go around to that house. There's going to come an Easter, we go around that house. A, a barbecue in the summer, in the back garden. We're going to that house. We're going to be surrounded by that madness. And anything can happen. And just being a part of that madness, whatever madness, you know what I mean, her dad, her granddad, those people doing, that can spill out to us. You see what I mean? So you're not just marrying that individual, you're marrying a family. It doesn't have to be anything as wild as drug dealing and sex trafficking. They could be, they could sell bags, handbags. They're a handbag business. She's, you know what I mean? That's what they do. They sell luxury handbags. Granddad started the business. Dad does it now. Brothers working there. Your wife, no interest in the handbag business at all. None. Not at all. Guess what, though? When you go around their house, you're going to be talking about handbags at some point. It's got, your, your life's going to be centered around handbags. If one of those handbags ends up killing someone, <laughs> guess what? People are going to look at your wife, look at her neighbour. Oh, she's the daughter of the CEO of that handbag company. That scandal. That's going to just spill out into your family a bit. So you marry families. So for her to go in, I didn't really know much about his family. I get that. But I guess it doesn't matter how much you Google. You're never going to actually know what the pressures are like to be a member of the royal family and a working member of the royal family sounds like pressure sounds like lack of freedom uh i guess i know you're privileged you've got money and palaces and stuff but sometimes you're crippled by the things you have you know what i mean you know the person who doesn't have a house you can just go off traveling whenever they want but that person's got a mortgage you gotta go off traveling whenever you want you know what i mean i've signed my signed my life away on the mortgage now i can't just now i can't go oh, i'll just do whatever i want now Killing away, sign the mortgage. That means I've got at least 25 years of solid responsibility. <laughs> yeah. I was like, fuck it. I want to live in a hut on a beach. Can't do that now. I'm locked in. That is me now. That's my life. I think, well, yeah, I just found it, just found that bit bizarre. Um, but then do you have bits about the royal titles and stuff? Oh, Archie didn't get didn't get his title because of the fears on his skin colour. Now, I've read up more about that. Apparently, he's not entitled to a title. So, how I here's my timeline of it. Harry and Meghan said they didn't want to give Archie a title. 
They didn't want him to have a title because they wanted him to live a normal life. That's what it was told to me through the papers. And I was like, okay, they're rejecting all of that. Try and be modern. I, I hear it. Whatever. I'm personally pissed. I'd want a title. Then you watch the documentary, the interview, the show, whatever you want to call it. And they say, nah, they said he couldn't have a title. And they started quoting this act about George V or whatever. But then when you do read that, he's not entitled to an act, to a, to a title. The only people entitled to a title are the, obviously, the, the reigning monarch, their partner, the reigning monarch's kids, and the reigning monarch's grandchildren. That's it. And then down the line of the um, heir, so Charles, Charles' kids, well, they're her grandkids, and then William is heir, direct heir. Therefore, his his wife and his grandkids, his kids, all have all entitled to titles: HRH, His Royal Highness, Her Royal Highness, all that good stuff, right? So when the queen goes and Charles becomes king, guess what? Archie's a grandchild of the reigning monarch. Then he would get a title. That's just how the rules go. So that little bit in the interview, I was like, hmm. now, now I look back, I'm like, hmm. it's not quite true. Um, security as well. Uh, a lot of people in throwing around the argument that if their security got taken, I bet Prince Andrew's still getting his security. Well, I read up about that. Apparently, only a handful of uh, members of the royal family have round-the-clock security. Uh, that's the Queen, Prince Philip, um, Prince Charles, Camilla, Prince William, um, Princess Catherine. It was the Duchess, it? the Duke, Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, so William and Kate, and then their three kids. They're the only people who get round-the-clock protection. All the rest only get protection when they're doing royal duties and that's working royals yeah do it when they're doing royal duties but even then not all of them get it so Eugenie and Beatrice don't get it they don't get the security um and and then people's like yeah Prince Andrew still gets protection no the Met because it's the Met who decides who gets um protection the Met and this other committee um work together to work out who gets protection and they don't reveal the budget of how much they spend on that. I guess it would cause uproar and probably cause people to say bund the monarchy. But um, they uh, they suggested after the Epstein scandal that Prince Andrew doesn't get security anymore when he does royal duties. And then the Queen's agreed and then pays for Andrew's security out of her own purse, out of the privy purse, I think. So... There you go. So no, he does. So the royal family, I guess the queen does protect Andrew when he does royal duties. But us, as the public, we don't. We don't. So and you can't understand why the queen does it because it is her son. And I'm, I'm assuming she thinks the allegations aren't true. You'd hope, right? Um, but it was interesting, though. It was. It was really. It was interesting to watch. Um, it was a bit cheesy at times. You know, the chickens. <laughs> all the chickens and stuff um but what i did find interesting is uh it's just the the absolute divisions that this interview caused 
was divisions that already existed, divisions that didn't know exist. There was black people trying to kick mixed race people out, out of the race. Um, I think I said last week that mixed race people and mixed race... Um, I say that in the sense of I feel like mixed race people who are part black still fall under the umbrella of black, though. It's just I understand there's a separate... There's like a separate category under black that I see. Um... And I think as a mixed race, you can opt out of it if you want. Um, but society will just kick you right back into it. So um, a lot of people are just proper going at Megan and just trying to flipping dismiss her purely because she's mixed race. Okay, she didn't even invite her family to the wedding and stuff. And I thought, mm, yeah, I guess that's kind of true. But the way some of her family's behaved, you can see why they weren't invited to the wedding. And they was like, yeah, what about our black side? And I was like, well, I don't know how close she is to those people. I haven't heard them talk. I've only heard her dad's side, the white side, talk. Which I go, yeah, we were friends with Meg. Yeah, me and Meg were close. And then she abandoned us. Duh, 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 duh. I just heard all this talk from them. I, haven't, I don't even know what her mum sounds like. I generally don't. I generally don't know what Megan's mum sounds like. Because she's just kept it dignified and just moved moved accordingly alright and obviously uh, then Piers the next day fuming couldn't control his rage probably saw that some people in the public liked Megan some people that he thought he had got against her and now on poor, poor Megan and then he denied he, he said they didn't believe her when she said she felt suicidal. And then ITV were acted swiftly and morally and got rid of Piers because he said something so terrible they got rid of him. Wrong. That isn't what happened, is it? We know that isn't what happened. He, because it's funny that Piers has said things um, that people have, have deemed racist. So he's deemed misogynistic, sexist. Nothing to do with uh, Megan here, but transphobic. I've seen him eviscerate people on on the show who are trans. And those things may have got complaints from the public, but ITV didn't care because it got the views. Good Morning Britain, they send out those little clips, they go viral. Everyone wants to see peers get mad or getting someone mad. You know, we're all, we're all like, Piers is an arsehole, look at him, look at the way he's talking to Dr. Scholler, what an arsehole. But then we loved it when he was doing that to Rudy Giuliani and Rudy Giuliani was frothing at the mouth. I thought it was hilarious. Again, when he's shouting down someone else and they're talking about their discrimination, their life experiences, like, oh, Piers, he's an arsehole. But then when he's got Matt Hancock there on the ropes, bumbling, uh, 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 we're like, yeah, go on, Piers. So it's, it's, I mean, he's not a journalist. I've been, I've been saying this in other groups he's a populist he's a guy who just goes with the popular opinion and whatever can advance his career furthest he'll pick that opinion he works out what the public kind of mood is and he just goes with the the popular opinion and i think where he failed is his blind spot was megan and so when it comes to the mental health thing when he says he doesn't believe that she's suicidal itv have got I had a fucking nightmare here so i swore they had a nightmare because they've got four. They had forty thousand complaints, including one from Megan, from what I believe, from what I've heard. And 
they just released their mental health campaign. So this is a PR nightmare. This is dreadful for ITV from a PR perspective. So what they've gone, they've said, Oi, peers, just apologise. Sincerely. And if Because, you know, it looks messy for us. If you just apologise sincerely about the mental health comment, that's all. You don't even have to say you like Megan. Just apologise sincerely about the mental health comment, about denying you felt she was suicidal. And we won't have to sack you. And Piers is there going, sack me? Yeah, he's sacking me. I'm Piers Morgan. I'm the person who brings people to this show. Yeah, I present the show, Susanna Reid. But who cares? Yeah, Darren and his mates fancier. But... <laughs> doesn't matter. I don't need to watch the show to see that. People watch the show to hear Piers mouthing off and Susanna sat next to him rolling her eyes. Completely lost her voice next to this guy. And um, he went, nah. <laughs> he just went, nah. Forget the job, I'm gone. And I knew immediately when he quit, I knew he was going to be on the free speech brigade. I knew he was going to be doing that. Ah, it was my right for free speech. They're trying to stop my free speech. And it was so predictable. It played out exactly like that. And he was done. Gone. But he'll be fine. He'll be fine. But he left us on the internet all arguing about Piers Morgan. I'm telling you, he'll be fine. Now he's handwritten a letter. Making him look even more deranged. It's nuts. It's nuts, man. But yeah, his pursuit of, of Megan is just crazy for me. It was crazy. And um, I guess his attitude of feeling so scorned that he had to try and destroy this woman's reputation... Uh, leads to, I guess, male attitudes, I guess. And talking about male attitudes, you saw see, the Sarah Everard, 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 sorry, is her name. And um, obviously she was murdered and abducted um, by who they think is uh, the um, PC Wayne, the cousins. Um, so that story, the way that was covered was mad. Again, loads of layers to peel back on this story what do you want to talk about do you want to talk about the coverage how they kept on mentioning the common she walked across the common she walked across the common it was dark she walked across the common it was dark right now i i see like i try to see all sides of an arguments at all times i try to be like mr manhattan yeah i do like mr mr manhattan from uh, watchman i'm trying to be in the past and the future and the present at the same time on this side and that side of the argument i'll try to hold all these things in my head in one go and depending on who i'm talking to i'll fire out probably the opposite side now when it comes to women being out at night on their own right i simultaneously get the point of women should be allowed to do these things without feeling endangered a woman should be able to walk across a dark park at night to get home if it's the quickest way. I I fully get that. And I also get that the world is full of nutcases and you've got to do the most to protect yourself. The same way that the you uh, people shouldn't just walk into your house and take things. But because of that, that doesn't mean you should remove your front door. You should have a front door with a lock on it. You shouldn't just leave your door open. Say we have a security code on your mobile phone. Passwords. 
you try to stay safe, right? No one should be drink driving or driving recklessly, but you've put on a seatbelt and you know what I mean? It's so you've got all these things. So I, I hear I hear that side as well. I don't think they're different sides of the argument. I think they're on the same it's it's pro, it's progress. You're on the same line. It's on the same line that while we haven't got a world that's completely safe, women and everyone should do things to protect themselves while the world isn't completely safe, while we try to make the world safer. Now saying all of this and that i think this is why this story pops so much is yes yeah, you walk across the park at night but guess what the attack never happened in the park so to keep on bringing up the park in all the coverage she walked across clapham common feeds into that narrative of that a lot of people have men and women that well she shouldn't be out when it was dark it's like she had been out when it was late. It's like, it wasn't late. It was 9 p.m. Was it dark? Yes, but she was on the main road. So you say women shouldn't be out on the main road at 9 p.m. Because that's when it happened. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, well, you know, you can tell this man's dodgy and that man's dodgy. You can't tell which men are dodgy. Uh, but especially if someone's a police officer, you probably think, oh, I could trust this guy, given the context. Um, so I find that strange and I see a lot of men getting upset about things and that because obviously then you had that Baroness say about the 6pm curfew for men and people have taken that literally don't know how when I first heard it I didn't know the context of it right and even then my brain went well no it, it can't be a real policy. So let me read up on this. Read up on it. Instantly understood what was going on. It was just. Just needs a couple. A bit of time. Just a little read around the internet. See what people's views are on it. I mean. And they go. Oh right. That's what was meant by that comment. Let me re- let me see the video. Okay. Now I see what was the intention of that comment. So no, literally no one's out here. Trying to make that policy. Now granted. There are some dumb men and there's some dumb women on both sides of the argument. Like my mate said, yeah, uh, Terran said that you've got all women, women are bitches versus men are trash. <laughs> yeah, Those are your two sides of the argument when it comes to gender things about feminism. Women are bitches, men are trash. And it's just like these guys start taking over the argument. What? Try to keep men in after 6pm? Well, what are you going to do? Does that include fire brigades? Hey? How about that? When your house is on fire, can men come out then? What? It's like, calm down, boys. There's going to be no curfew. You're all right. And the people are like, well, look at coronavirus. Said there's no curfew. Can't keep people in because of, of safety. Oh, wait a minute. No, that is actually happening right now, Darren. Hmm. So again, get that. That's an imminent threat. Um, but I don't think anyone's putting a 6 p.m. curfew on men right now. Yeah. You'd have to pa- let's just think back. You'd have to pass through the House of Commons and the House of Lords. And what do most of what does the House of Commons and House of Lords have in common? They are full of mostly men. Men are not voting this through. And it's not even being put through for a vote anyway, because it was never presented as a policy amendment. Okay. Now, this is what it's so stupid about is people are arguing about whether 
we could have this curfew or not. We can have it's like it's not it's a non-argument. The point that the women were making was that they have to emotionally be curfewed. Whenever something happens to women, we go, you shouldn't be now at that time, you shouldn't have been there, you shouldn't have been this time. Which is effectively, you're curfewing them. You're saying, this happened to you because what was you doing out at that time? And I get it, that we do have that to an extent to, for men. There, there is like a scale in the time of day of how much sympathy you'd give someone when a crime happens to them. Someone goes to get stabbed and murdered at 1pm in, in a high street. People are like, Jesus, that is tragic. If someone was to get stabbed at 1am in the forest, we'd be like, well, I mean, raw, what's he doing in the forest? But it's just like, It's that balance of what I was saying earlier of knowing that the world isn't great and isn't perfect, but also we can't be resigned to the fact that weird shit like that happens. We've got to like try to stop it, right? You can't shrug your shoulders. Go, ah, women get murdered at nine p.m. in Clapham. Whatever. It's just what. Happened. No, nine p.m. No. Um, and yeah, the arguments just went. Back and forth on my bloody Facebook this morning. Where I said it's just not a literal bloody policy, guys. Chill out. Um, yeah, it's all it's all a bit nuts, me. How people have uh, have taken it in. They've taken just. It's like they just fall either side of an argument. Just and just run with it. Oh no. Oh man, if they did want to ever make this curfew literal, um, and they want to make a policy, I have to have my own amendments to that policy. Um, if men had to be in at 6 pm, uh, I'd make it compulsory that women have to be outside at 6 pm. Uh, <laughs> that'd be it, that'd be my only, only amendment I'd make to it. If I have to be indoors at 6 pm, the women must be out at 6 pm. My wife has to just go out, go outside, go outside. It's cold, don't care. Enjoy the man-free zone outside. <laughs> the woman-free zone is warm. <laughs> nah, I've messed it, I've been, I've been stupid. It's not going to be a real policy, is it? Um, but if it was, like I said, get that policy rolling on a Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday for European football. 6 p.m. Don't come back till 10:30. Um, yeah, after 10:30, then it's optional. You're, you're allowed to be in if you want. Men still aren't allowed out, but you're allowed to be in if you want. Um, but yeah, it, it is nuts. It is nuts. But um, but it's like even that that lady who made that comment. I can't remember her name. Baroness. She's from the Green Party. The conversation they were having in the House of Lords was an important conversation about domestic violence and a change of legislation that if a woman is found, it has like uh, killed or attacked her abuser, she won't be treated as a criminal. Because the point she was making, which I thought was a valid point, was say someone intrudes into your house, you're allowed to use reasonable force to protect yourself, even a weapon, because they're in your house and they're threatening to you, right? So you're allowed to use a weapon to protect your property. Yet, 
as a victim of domestic violence, you're not allowed to use a weapon to protect your person. Um, now, someone who's robbing your house, granted that's a threat, but technically you don't know if that person's violent. They may be coming in just for your TV. That's the only thing they want. And if you were to stay upstairs, they're not coming upstairs. They want the TV downstairs. It's the only thing they want. That's all they're there for. Even if they confront you, they're like, mate, just give me your TV and we're fine. Like most muggers, muggers don't actually want to attack the person they're taking from. They just want the thing that becomes violent when the person resists, right? So if you're allowed to defend your home violently against someone that you don't know is there to commit violence, but you're not allowed to protect your person against someone that you know has a high propensity to violence, they have previous of committing violence, not against anyone, against you. And this is the day that you go, I am not having any more of this. I don't know what it takes for a woman to, or of any victim of domestic violence to, to muster the courage for that moment to go, enough is enough. But they've reached that moment, they draw for a weapon, and they attack the person. Or defend themselves against a the person's attack. Like I said, if that person was breaking into the house, we'd be like, yeah, fine. Now, I guess you can create a grey area of, well, does not mean that women will just start stabbing and attacking men who haven't actually done anything to them. Uh, flip that around. Doesn't that sound familiar? Sounds like domestic violence. That's <laughs> like, so what are we doing? What are we doing, people? What are we doing? I don't know, man. But... um. That's, that's been the week. That that has been the week. Not all men. So men have started going all lives matterish about the subject. And I mean, like I said, they're not all men thing. I don't know. Some people just get these things and other people don't. Um, I, I, I got accused of being some progressive. I've got wet and... <laughs> I mean, I got called all the kind of like right wing rhetoric about left wing people and I don't even class myself as left wing at all I just certain certain things I get from the left certain things I get from the right I just understand certain things and I understand uh when women say it's an issue with men and that they feel fearful when they're around men I don't know why men would now take that so personally not all men it's like hey look at the end of the day most men are law-abiding, decent men. We know that because our society wouldn't work at all, right? But if you're a woman walking alone on the street and you see a man walking behind you, you don't know if he's one of the good guys or not. And that's fearful. That's, that's scary. Now, I know for myself, um, as a man, I think, as, I think definitely... I mean, this may be more of a racial thing as a black man. We know that we're seen as a threat a lot as black men. I'm six foot, I'm not, uh, I'm a black man. So I know when I'm walking down the street and there's a woman in front of me, I cross the road. <laughs> I cross the road because I don't want to be seen as a danger to them. And granted, although that's what women do to protect themselves... And theirs is based out of fear. 
for their life. I'm not going to make out I'm being some kind of chivalrous noble man by crossing the road because I want her to feel better. No, it's all selfish for me. I do not want to be seen as a bloody criminal. So I, I don't want to be seen as a potential suspect. I don't even want to see anyone see me walk down the same street. Especially if the woman's white. She turns right, she's walking down my street. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, please, please just turn into a house. Please turn into a house. I don't want you in front of me. I want to cross the road, double my speed, and then cross back across the road. And you're going to see that I zigzagged around you. And I'm just trying to get past you. And you're going to be in your head going, oh my God, why is he walking so quickly? And it's mad. We're both walking down the street going, I hope he doesn't attack me. And I'll walk down the street going, I hope she doesn't think I'm going to attack her. Nuts. So we live in a world where we're all fearful of each other. Um, I see some men try to present the statistics that um, actually it's men who are more likely to be victims of violent crimes at night. Four or five times more likely, apparently, to the statistics. Which is cool, but it's at the hand of men. So you could argue that you should actually put this curfew in place to protect us men, right? (laughs) If you want to bring that forward as the argument. But look, there's going to be no curfew. Men, we're going to be allowed outside eventually when this bloody COVID shit stops and we'll be allowed outside. And um, I think the kind of outcome and the solution is when it comes to these uh, conversations is to just... um, just have a little think, really. Have a little think about what you find acceptable, what you don't find acceptable when it comes to conduct towards women. I know it's easier for me as a married man now that I don't really have to interact with women in a way that um, that could be grey or ambiguous in terms of sexual harassment. When you're a single man, you, you definitely end up walking in the grey area way more because obviously you're trying to approach women that you don't actually know, trying to get their attention. And if it's unwarranted and unwanted, it's, it's, you're in the realms of sexual harassment. It's just that simple. Um, so a lot of guys, are get, I've seen a few guys and I'm getting quite upset about that. There's like, how can I approach a woman? I don't, be, I don't want to be sexually harassing her, but how do I approach her? And um, a lot of it is just to do with just context, isn't it? Always do with context. The time you're meeting, the time you're talking to someone, where, when, how, why, who. All these things matter. Like, and I think what it is with a lot of guys is they see their own behaviour, see their friends behaving, but there's nothing wrong with our behaviour. Uh, and the guys you're talking about, yeah, I know they exist, but it's not my friends. And it's like, cool. But guess what happens when you've got friends that are similar to you, you all think of your behaviour as normal and okay. So then you're walking around. Those guys who are doing those things that you're looking at going, that's not right. They're not in their group of friends going, yeah, what we're doing is not right, lads. What they're, they're in their group of friends going, what we're doing is fine. So... It's probably taking a step back and just having a look. But maybe when you see that list of things that women say they find scary and stuff or they don't like, rather than look at it as a checklist of the things you don't do, have a look at every single one and think, what is the nearest thing I do to that? 
That'd be my suggestion. That'd be my recommendation. Look at that. Thing. What's the nearest thing I do to that in my head? Okay, then, then think what that might look like to the other person. Like, like being persistent, for example. As a guy, we're we're wired to have to. We're not wired. We're, we're trained. We're, we're cultured to learn how to deal with rejection, overcome it, and go again. Because you have to be. That's how you find a partner. You talk to a girl, she's like, ugh. You're like, all right, next one. Or you talk to her, she's like, ugh, so why are you saying ugh for? Then you try to break her down. And the thing is, it's like, you don't, you just never know when you're actually uh, sexually harassing someone. Because if you're there trying to pester her and break it down, she's literally in the head going, oh my God, this guy won't leave me alone. I don't know what's going to happen now. You're not to know, but I feel like you should always just approach in a way that allows her to know, hey, you can say you're not interested at all. Like, it's totally cool. I'm not that guy. Even if that's your line. Hey, I saw you from across the room. Can I talk to you? And go, oh, and seriously, if you don't want to talk to me at all, that's totally fine as well. Just thought you were nice. Wanted to pay you a compliment. And, um, but I understand if you just want to have your night not talking to me. Now, if you just said something like that, some girls will say you're moist, but listen, don't talk to those girls because they will get you in trouble, <laughs> right? Nice woman will hear that and be like, oh, this guy, if she finds you attractive, she's like, oh, this guy seems sweet. Yeah, yeah, hi, how you doing? And she don't find you attractive, she shouldn't really be that rude to you. She'd be like, oh, no, thanks. And if she's rude to you, then suck it up. As long as they suck up. She shouldn't be, but just suck it up. Anyway, I think that's enough rambling about what's been going on in the week and stuff. Um, where are we? 45 minutes in. Jesus. Need to go and collect some stuff from the shops. Um, right, let's go to uh, Dear Deirdre. Dear Deirdre. Oh, um, Bon Royal Mail, yeah, because they said they tried to deliver something, and they haven't, they haven't slipped a little thing through the post, been in all day, yeah, and haven't seen it, haven't seen it come through the post at all, liars, anyway, dear Deirdre, boyfriend slept with my best mate, and I suspect they're still seeing each other, me too, um, <laughs> dear Deirdre, I fear my boyfriend is playing me off against my best friend. And I don't know what to do. I am 27. He is 23. Jesus. That age gap is big with your 23. Uh, we have had an on-off relationship for more than a year. During one of our breaks, he stepped with my best friend who is 24. I was hurt. It felt like she had broken the girl code she had. Um, but I didn't say anything because I didn't think I had the right to as we had broken up. Nah, you, you did. Um, they started seeing each other and she would tell me that I kept coming up in their chats and causing arguments. I know it's wrong, but that secretly pleased me because I was still in love with him. Then, just before the lockdown, he saw me in a pub and came over for a chat. It was clear he still liked me and we flirted and shared some private jokes. That led to a massive row between them and they split up. She told me he was all mine if I wanted him. Since then, she and I hardly speak and I have been in a proper relationship with him again. As I live alone, he is now my support in my support bubble and we spend a lot of time together. The problem is, I know he's still in contact with her. 
is obvious from their social media pages as she keeps blocking him then refriending him i suspect they have started things up again they both deny it yesterday evening he was at my flat when he got a text we've been having we've been having a laugh and he had even and had even had sex but then for no reason he started acting cold towards me oh no um had he had he ejaculated in that time because he will uh there may be some post post nut clarity there where he's uh <laughs> where he's now thinking straight and he's like dad jesus what am i doing it i know let's see um it makes no sense as everything has been great and we'd even made plans to go for a long walk along the beach this weekend um i don't know what to do as i really love him we had such good chemistry everyone says it how do i make him realize i'm the one for him you can't because you might not actually be the one for him and if he doesn't choose to be with you and choose to be with your friend doesn't mean she's the one for him either um she just might get dumped a bit later on i i think if you have suspicions that they're still seeing each other you have no way of proving that but if you have a suspicion it stays nagging you must just end the relationship because there's no point trying to carry on because you're just going to end up trying to you know punish him for a crime you've got no evidence that he's actually committed so you're going to just drive yourself crazy leave it out move on that's what i'd say on that one um oh sorry big yawn all right what's this one torn apart my brother's cut me out of his life because his girlfriend doesn't like me oh dear um Dear Didge, my brother has stopped talking to me because his girlfriend doesn't like me. I'm 38, he's 40. As little boys, we were inseparable. Even as adults, we spoke most days and met every weekend. He was my best friend as well as my family. Ah, oh, that's nice. Um, but in the two years since he met his partner, who's 42, he has grown more and more distant. Um, at the beginning, I told him I didn't think she was right for him. He must have told her because she has always been rude and dismissive of me. Um, I have done everything I can to be welcoming, invited them round for Sunday lunch, offered to babysit her kids, asked if she wanted to come on holiday with us, and nothing works. Um, it ended up with me and my brother having a huge row over her influence, and since then he stopped returning my calls. Now she has been offered a job abroad and has asked my brother to go with her. I worry I will never see him and won't have any relationship at all. Um, he... He can't see how controlling she is. Um, she has split up my family and I hate her for it. Is is this Will? <laughs> is this Prince Will? Who is this? Um, no. I'm messing. But listen, what you need to do is you make amends with your brother and say, I don't argue you. Don't want to lose you as a brother. Just, just, just set aside the ego because you're not losing anything. He's going to stay with her. Yeah, so set aside the ego. Go, look, don't lose his brother. Um, I don't want to fall out. Um, I've yeah, and just oh, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't think you were well suited. Because it doesn't even matter what I think. You know, you two are still together now. That's all that matters. And then just yeah, just say, look, I just want to just still want to talk to you, mate. Because it doesn't matter if she's controlling or not, mate. There's it, nothing you can do about it. He's a grown man, so you just got to let him make that mistake. Um, well, you know, it might not be a mistake. They might live happily ever after. Um, yeah, you don't want to be involved in any way, shape or form of them splitting up because he'll just resent you for it forever. 
So don't do it. Jesus, I'm getting the yawns. Oh, God. That's good podding. Um, <laughs> under threat, I fear work lover will ditch me for sex with younger girl who wants to bed him. Ooh. Dear Deirdre, a gorgeous young love rival is threatening my secret workplace relationship. I'm a woman of 50. Ooh. PA at a plumbing firm and have been seeing a colleague who is 20 years younger than me for three years. Kinky. We agreed to keep things low-key because of our age gap, and that was fine at first, but time has passed and he still won't tell anyone. Uh, we are otherwise very happy and have great have a great sex life. Recently, a woman of 28 joined the company. She only declares that my boyfriend is gorgeous and even told everyone I would bed him. He shrugs it off and has shown no interest in her, but it makes me doubt his feelings for me. Why? He's literally shown no interest to her. What else can he do? Um, why won't he tell anyone about us? Is he ashamed of me? Yes. Yes, he is. Okay? Especially if he's a good-looking boy and he's said absolute nonsense about you to the lads down the pub. No. <laughs> no, I, I don't know why he's not saying anything. Have you actually asked him why he's not saying anything? I've been in situations with uh, with women where they have really been adamant about oh I don't really want I'm not bait I don't really talk I don't want people to know about us and blah 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 and how it's always ended up is some other woman coming into the scene and not anything necessarily happening with me and this other woman but it's now it's now the manifestation of this no one has any reason to think they can't approach me because you and I are a secret so now women approach me with you there in the room, with your friends there who know about us, but I'm not allowed to tell anyone. And now it's just like, oh, well, what did you do to stop this, Darren? It's like, I shouldn't really have to do anything. The only thing I could do to stop this is to tell her, yeah, I'm, I'm with someone. Sorry, so not interested. Now, I guess I could just tell her I'm not interested for whatever reason, but... That doesn't really make sense, does it? If she thinks I'm single and I've spoke to her before me and you ever got together. See what I mean? So maybe that's the issue here. Is the fact that why you went along with it being a secret before. And that this is how it manifests. So you just got to tell him, look. We've got to go public. Or, um, or it's over. Do that. See how that works. Yeah, see how it works. Right, I think that's the end of the pod. I've been talking for bloody ages. Didn't expect to do such a long pod. Almost an hour of um, of chatting. Um, so yeah, that's it. That is the, that's the end of the pod. But next week, I will be a homeowner. If everything goes to plan. I mean, they've got my money now. We've exchanged. So just have to complete. And then that will be my life for the next few weeks. Um, so yeah, it's going to get really stressful, really stressful, so it'll be great. <laughs> Alright people, that's the end of the pod, uh, if there's anything else I wanted to cover, talk about, there probably was, but I forgot about it. Anyway, peace.